Chapter Two, Part One of Weird Tales by E. T. A. Hoffman, translated by J. T. Bealby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two, The Fermata, Part One. Hummel's amusing, vivacious picture, Company in an Italian Inn became known by the art exhibition at berlin in the autumn of eighteen fourteen where it appeared to the delight of all who saw and studied it an arbor almost hidden in foliage a table covered with wine flasks and fruits two italian ladies sitting at it opposite each other one singing the other playing a guitar between them more in the background stands an abbot acting as music director with his baton raised he is awaiting the moment when the signora shall end in a long trill the cadence which with her eyes directed heavenwards she is just in the midst of then down will come his hand whilst the guitarist gaily dashes off the dominant chord the abbot is filled with admiration with exquisite delight and at the same time his attention is painfully on the stretch he wouldn't miss the proper downward beat for the world he hardly dare breathe he would like to stop the mouth and wings of every buzzing bee and midge so much the more therefore is he annoyed at the bustling host who must needs come and bring the wine just at this supreme delicious moment an outlook upon an avenue patterned by brilliant strips of light there a horseman has pulled up and a glass of something refreshing to drink is being handed up to him on horseback before this picture stood the two friends edward and theodore the more i look at this singer said edward in her gay attire who though rather oldish is yet full of the true inspiration of her art and the more i am delighted with the grave but genuine roman profile and lovely form of the guitarist and the more my estimable friend the abbot amuses me the more does the whole picture seem to me instinct with free strong vital power it is plainly a caricature in the higher sense of the term but rich in grace and vivacity i should just like to step into that arbour and open one of those dainty little flasks which are ogling me from the table i tell you what i fancy i can already smell something of the sweet fragrance of the noble wine come it were a sin for this solicitation to be wasted on the cold senseless atmosphere that is about us here let us go and drain a flask of italian wine in honour of this fine picture of art and of merry italy where life is exhilarating and given for pleasure whilst edward was running on thus in disconnected sentences theodore stood silent and deeply absorbed in reflection ay that we will come along he said starting up as if awakening out of a dream but nevertheless he had some difficulty in tearing himself away from the picture and as he mechanically followed his friend he had to stop at the door to cast another longing lingering look back upon the singer and guitarist and abbot edward's proposal easily admitted of being carried into execution they crossed the street diagonally and very soon a flask exactly like those in the picture stood before them in sala taroni's little blue room it seems to me said edward as theodore still continued very silent and thoughtful even after several glasses had been drunk it seems to me that the picture has made a deeper impression upon you than upon me 
and not such an agreeable impression either i assure you replied theodore that i lost nothing of the brightness and grace of that animated composition yet it is very singular it is a faithful representation of a scene out of my own life reproducing the portraits of the parties concerned in it in a manner startlingly lifelike you will however agree with me that diverting memories also have the power of strangely moving the mind when they suddenly spring up in this extraordinary and unexpected way as if awakened by the wave of a magician's wand that's the case with me just now what a scene out of your own life exclaimed edward quite astonished do you mean to say the picture represents an episode in your own life i saw at once that the two ladies and the priest were eminently successful portraits but i never for a moment dreamed that you had ever come across them in the course of your life come now tell me all about it how it all came about we are quite alone nobody else will come at this time of day willingly answered theodore but unfortunately i must go a long way back to my early youth in fact never mind fire away rejoined edward i don't know over much about your early days if it lasts a good while nothing worse will happen than that we shall have to empty a bottle more than we at first bargained for and to that nobody will have any objection neither we nor mr taroni that throwing everything else aside i at length devoted myself entirely to the noble art of music began theodore need excite nobody's astonishment for whilst still a boy i would hardly do anything else but play and spent hours and hours strumming on my uncle's old creaking jarring piano the little town was very badly provided for music there was nobody who could give me instruction except an old opinionated organist he however was merely a dry arithmetician and plagued me to death with obscure unmelodious toccatas and fugues but i held on bravely without letting myself be daunted the old fellow was crabby and often found a good deal of fault but he had only to play a good piece in his own powerful style and i was at once reconciled both with him and with his art i was then often in a curious state of mind many pieces particularly of old sebastian bach were almost like a fearful ghost story and i yielded myself up to that feeling of pleasurable awe to which we are so prone in the days of our fantastic youth but i entered into a veritable eden when as sometimes happened in winter the bandmaster of the town and his colleagues supported by a few other moderate dilettante players gave a concert and i owing to the strict time i always kept was permitted to play the kettle-drum in the symphony it was not until later that i perceived how ridiculous and extravagant these concerts were my teacher generally played two concertos on the piano by wolf or emmanuel bach a member of the town band struggled with stamitz while the receiver of excise duties worked away hard at the flute and took in such an immense supply of breath that he blew out both lights on his music stand and always had to have them relighted again singing wasn't thought about my uncle a great friend and patron of music always disparaged the local talent in this line he still dwelt with exuberant delight upon the days gone by when the four choristers of the four churches of the town agreed together to give lochen am hofe above all he was wont to extol the toleration which united the singers in the production of this work of art 
for not only the catholic and the evangelical but also the reformed community was split into two bodies those speaking german and those speaking french the french chorister was not daunted by the lotchen but as my uncle maintained sang his part spectacles on nose in the finest falsetto that ever proceeded forth from a human breast now there was amongst us i mean in the town a spinster named meibel aged about fifty-five who subsisted upon the scanty pension which she received as a retired court singer of the metropolis and my uncle was rightly of opinion that miss meibel might still do something for her money in the concert hall she assumed airs of importance required a good deal of coaxing but at last consented so that we came to have bravuras in our concerts she was a singular creature this miss meibel i still retain a lively recollection of her lean little figure dressed in a many-coloured gown she was wont to step forward with her roll of music in her hand looking very grave and solemn and to acknowledge the audience with a slight inclination of the upper part of her body her headdress was a most remarkable headdress in front was fastened a nosegay of italian flowers of porcelain which kept up a strange trembling and tottering as she sang at the end after the audience had greeted her with no stinted measure of applause she proudly handed the music-roll to my uncle and permitted him to dip his thumb and finger into a little porcelain snuff-box fashioned in the shape of a pug-dog out of which she took a pinch herself with evident relish she had a horrible squeaky voice indulged in all sorts of ludicrous flourishes and roulades and so you may imagine what an effect all this combined with her ridiculous manners and style of dress could not fail to have upon me my uncle overflowed with panegyrics that i could not understand and so turned the more readily to my organist who looking with contempt upon vocal efforts in general delighted me down to the ground as in his hypochondriac malicious way he parodied the ludicrous old spinster the more decidedly i came to share with my master his contempt for singing the higher did he rate my musical genius he took a great and zealous interest in instructing me in counterpoint so that i soon came to write the most ingenious toccatas and fugues i was once playing one of these ingenious specimens of my skill to my uncle on my birthday i was nineteen years old when the waiter of our first hotel stepped into the room to announce the visit of two foreign ladies who had just arrived in the town before my uncle could throw off his dressing-gown it was of a large flower pattern and don his coat and vest his visitors were already in the room you know what an electric effect every strange event has upon those who are brought up in the narrow seclusion of a small country town this in particular which crossed my path so unexpectedly was pre-eminently fitted to work a complete revolution within me picture to yourself two tall slender italian ladies dressed fantastically and in bright colours quite up to the latest fashion meeting my uncle with the freedom of professional artistes and yet with considerable charms of manner and addressing him in firm and sonorous voices what the deuce of a strange tongue they speak only now and then does it sound at all like german my uncle doesn't understand a word embarrassed mute as a maggot he steps back and points to the sofa they sit down talk together it sounds like music itself 
at length they succeed in making my good uncle comprehend that they are singers on a tour they would like to give a concert in the place and have come to him as he is the man to conduct such musical negotiations whilst they were talking together i picked up their christian names and i fancied that i could now more easily and more distinctly distinguish the one from the other for their both making their appearance together had at first confused me loretta apparently the elder of the two looked about her with sparkling eyes and talked away at my embarrassed old uncle with gushing vivacity and with demonstrative gestures she was not too tall and of a voluptuous build so that my eyes wandered amid many charms that hitherto had been strangers to them teresina taller more slender with a long grave face spoke but seldom but what she did say was more intelligible now and then a peculiar smile flitted across her features it almost seemed as if she were highly amused at my good uncle who had withdrawn into his silken dressing-gown like a snail into its shell and was vainly endeavouring to push out of sight a treacherous yellow string with which he fastened his night-jacket together and which would keep tumbling out of his bosom yards and yards long at length they rose to depart my uncle promised to arrange everything for the concert for the third day following then the sisters gave him and me whom he introduced to them as a young musician a most polite invitation to take chocolate with them in the afternoon we mounted the steps with a solemn air and awkward gait we both felt very peculiar as if we were going to meet some adventure to which we were not equal in consequence of due previous preparation my uncle had a good many fine things to say about art which nobody understood neither he himself nor any of the rest of us this done and after i had thrice burned my tongue with the scalding hot chocolate but with the stoical fortitude of a scaevola had smiled under the fiery infliction loretta at length said that she would sing to us teresina took her guitar tuned it and struck a few full chords it was the first time i had heard the instrument and the characteristic mysterious sounds of the trembling strings made a deep and wonderful impression upon me loretta began very softly and held on the note rising to fortissimo and then quickly broke into a crisp complicated run through an octave and a half i can still remember the words of the beginning sento l'amica spenme my heart was oppressed i had never had an idea of anything of the kind but as loretta continued to soar in bolder and higher flights and as the musical notes poured upon me like sparkling rays thicker and thicker then was the music that had so long lain mute and lifeless within me enkindled rising up in strong grand flames ah i had never heard what music was in my life before then the singers sang one of those grand impressive duets of abbot stefani which confined themselves to notes of a low register my soul was stirred at the sound of teresina's alto it was so sonorous and as pure as silver bells i couldn't for the life of me restrain my emotion tears started to my eyes my uncle coughed warningly and cast angry glances upon me it was all of no use i was really quite beside myself this seemed to please the sisters they began to inquire into the nature and extent of my musical studies i was ashamed of my performances in that line 
and with a heartiness born of enthusiastic admiration i bluntly declared that that day was the first time i had ever heard music the dear good boy lisped loretta so sweetly and bewitchingly on reaching home again i was seized with a sort of fury i pounced upon all the toccatas and fugues that i had hammered out as well as a beautiful copy of forty-five variations of a canonical theme that the organist had written and done me the honour of presenting to me all these i threw into the fire and laughed with spiteful glee as the double counterpoint smoked and crackled then i sat down at the piano and tried first to imitate the tones of the guitar then to play the sister's melodies and finished by attempting to sing them at length about midnight my uncle emerged from his bedroom and greeted me with my boy you'd better just stop that screeching and troop off to bed and he put out both candles and went back to his own room i had no other alternative but to obey the mysterious power of song came to me in my dreams at least i thought so for i sang cento lamica speme in excellent style the next morning my uncle had hunted up everybody who could fiddle and blow for the rehearsal he was proud to show what good musicians the town possessed but everything seemed to go perversely wrong loretta set to work at a fine scena but very soon in the recitative the orchestra was all at sixes and sevens not one of them had any idea of accompaniment loretta screamed raved wept with impatience and anger the organist was presiding at the piano she attacked him with the bitterest reproaches he got up and in silent obduracy marched out of the hall the bandmaster of the town whom loretta had dubbed a german ass took his violin under his arm and banging his hat on his head with an air of defiance likewise made for the door the members of his company sticking their bows under the strings of their violins and unscrewing the mouthpieces of their brass instruments followed him there was nobody but the dilettanti left and they gazed about them with disconsolate looks whilst the receiver of excise duties exclaimed with a tragic air oh heaven how mortified i feel all my diffidence was gone i threw myself in the bandmaster's way i begged i prayed in my distress i promised him six new minuets with double trios for the annual ball i succeeded in appeasing him he went back to his place his companions followed suit and soon the orchestra was reconstituted except that the organist was wanting he was slowly making his way across the market-place no shouting or beckoning could make him turn back teresina had looked on at the whole scene with smothered laughter while loretta was now as full of glee as before she had been of anger she was unstinted in her praise of my efforts she asked me if i played the piano and ere i knew what i was about i sat in the organist's place with the music before me never before had i accompanied a singer but still less directed an orchestra teresina sat down beside me at the piano and gave me every time loretta encouraged me with repeated bravos the orchestra proved manageable and things continued to improve everything was worked out successfully at the second rehearsal and the effect of the sisters singing at the concert is not to be described the sovereign's return to his capital was to be celebrated there with several festive demonstrations the sisters were summoned to sing in the theatre and at concerts until the time that their presence was required they resolved to remain in our little town and thus it came to pass that they gave us a few more concerts 
the admiration of the public rose to a kind of madness old miss meibel however took with a deliberate air a pinch of snuff out of her porcelain pug and gave her opinion that such impudent caterwauling was not singing singing should be low and melodious my friend the organist never showed himself again and in truth i did not miss him in the least i was the happiest fellow in the world the whole day long i spent with the sisters copying out the vocal scores of what they were to sing in the capital loretta was my ideal her vile caprices her terribly passionate violence the torment she inflicted upon me at the piano all these i bore with patience she alone had unsealed for me the springs of true music i began to study italian and try my hand at a few canzonets in what heavenly rapture was i plunged when loretta sang my compositions or even praised them often it seemed to me as if it was not i who had thought out and set what she sang but that the thought first shone forth in her singing of it with teresina i could not somehow get on familiar terms she sang but seldom and didn't seem to make much account of all that i was doing and sometimes i even fancied that she was laughing at me behind my back at length the time came for them to leave the town and now i felt for the first time how dear loretta had become to me and how impossible it would be for me to separate from her often when she was in a tender playful mood she had caressed me although always in a perfectly artless fashion nevertheless my blood was excited and it was nothing but the strange coolness with which she was more usually wont to treat me that restrained me from giving reins to my ardour and clasping her in my arms in a delirium of passion i possessed a tolerably good tenor voice which however i had never practised but now i began to cultivate it assiduously i frequently sang with loretta one of those tender italian duets of which there exists such an endless number we were just singing one of these pieces the hour of departure was close at hand without thee my own i cannot live who could resist that i threw myself at her feet i was in despair she raised me up but my friend need we then part i pricked up my ears with amazement she proposed that i should accompany her and teresina to the capital for if i intended to devote myself wholly to music i must leave this wretched little town some time or other picture to yourself one struggling in the dark depths of boundless despair who has given up all hopes of life and who in the moment in which he expects to receive the blow that is to crush him forever suddenly finds himself sitting in a glorious bright arbour of roses where hundreds of unseen but loving voices whisper you are still alive dear still alive and you will know how i felt then along with them to the capital that had seized upon my heart as an ineradicable resolution but i won't tire you with the details of how i set to work to convince my uncle that i ought now by all means to go to the capital which moreover was not very far away he at length gave his consent and announced his intention of going with me here was a tricksy stroke of fortune i dare not give utterance to my purpose of travelling in company with the sisters a violent cold which my uncle caught proved my saviour i left the town by the stage-coach but only went as far as the first stopping-station where i awaited my divinity a well-lined purse enabled me to make all due and fitting preparations 
i was seized with a romantic idea of accompanying the ladies in the character of a protecting paladin on horseback i secured a horse which though not particularly handsome was its owner assured me quiet and i rode back at the appointed time to meet the two fair singers i soon saw the little carriage which had two seats coming towards me loretta and teresina sat on the principal seat whilst on the other with her back to the driver sat their maid the fat little janna a brown-cheeked neapolitan besides this living freight the carriage was packed full of boxes satchels and baskets of all sizes and shapes such as invariably accompany ladies when they travel two little pug-dogs which janna was nursing in her lap began to bark when i gaily saluted the company end of chapter two part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine